Centuries ago, the prophet Jeremiah looked at the condition of the people of God and of the world around him, and his heart was grieved and broken. He wanted to give up, he wanted to quit. He just wanted to, just to say to himself, there's no hope, but there was something inside of him. He called it a fire shut up in his bones, and that fire caused him to stand up and preach the gospel, to preach it with truth. And we are calling on pastors today to be united for spiritual awakening and revival and a move of God across our land today. That's why World Challenge, myself and others are doing these pastors conferences, two national pastors conferences next year, to call pastors to put that fire back in their soul, that fresh wind, that fresh fire, that fresh passion. We'll be in San Diego in February and in New York City at Times Square Church. My dear friends, Pastor Carter Conlon, Pastor Tim Delina, Claude Oud, Ron Brown, R.T. Kendall, John Bailey, and many others will be teaching, preaching with great worship leaders. So join us in February or in August, San Diego, New York. It's time, it's high time for us to become awakened. Not woke, but awakened. Awaken to the truth, the hour is far spent, and the day is at hand. Hi, welcome to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. So honored to have you here with us today. We have with us today Pastor John Amanchukyu. Uh, he is a pastor with a fire in his bones. He's a pastor with a stirring message. He speaks on uh, some cultural issues today that have so far gone off the rails, so far gone away from truth, so far gone away from from the biblical truth. And he is contending for the faith with a true passion. Uh, he's written a book called Erased, and it you, you have to read this book. You have to get it. It's available now. You can get it online. Um, uh, at the book, any bookstore, it speaks about critical race theory and how it's bringing deception to many universities and high schools. Uh, the, the issue of racism is a reality, but it's, it's been hoodwinked by some of this false teaching. And that's exactly what it is. He talks about some of the indoctrination and the grooming that's going on in our schools today. Uh, some of the issues of transgenderism, uh, masculinity, uh, uh, and, and abortion. These are heavy issues, and there's a lot of them. They're all contained in his book, and they're all going to be contained in our interview today. Uh, he speaks the truth. He speaks it with power, but he speaks it with love. And it's a he's a man. Uh, he calls himself like a John the Baptist who who uh, uh, prepare the way for the Lord. Got some, the Lord's got to come and do something in our culture. So uh, I really trust you'll listen to this whole interview. We've gone a little longer than most of our podcasts. Uh, I, I pray that you stay tuned to the end because uh, line by line, verse by verse, uh, question after question that he answers uh, brings great truth to uh, what we need in our pulpits, what we need in our churches, what we need in our own hearts, what we need in our own families. So stay tuned and enjoy this podcast. God bless you. Thrilled to have uh, Pastor John Amachuka with us here today uh, on our podcast. Pastor John, thank you so much for being with us today. You're, you're coming to us from uh, what part of the country? I live in Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, but the church that I uh, work at as a youth pastor, I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Well, uh, in our introduction, we mentioned about your writing, about your preaching. Uh, you're, you're getting uh, a lot of people influenced by the power of your preaching and by the power of your written word. 
Uh, we're, we're honored to have you here today. We're going to talk about some really important topics in our nation this generation. Uh, we we really need to hear from you. And so, so again, thank you. Um, let's just start off with uh, why you wrote the book Erased. The, obviously, it's an important topic, uh, mostly about critical race theory and, and abortion as well. But uh, tell me your, your, your thinking behind that, your heart behind it. Yes. Well, during the summer of 2020, while being at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the Southeast, I was approached by a black father who was wearing a BLM shirt. And he asked me a question. He said, John, why are you out here fighting a white man's issue? Hmm. And, you know, on that Saturday morning, 70 percent of the people outside of the clinic trying to save the babies were white but nearly 80 to 85% of the mothers in the clinic that morning were black. But this man is going to ask me why I'm fighting a white man's issue. Now, if I were to ask him what the definition of critical race theory was, he would probably tell me that he didn't know, but he was a walking poster child for all things CRT because CRT sees racism at all times and in all situations. Critical race theory also sees people as groups and not as individuals. I believe that racism is not a color or a skin tone. It's sin. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us in Romans 3 and 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sin there is sin in general. It deals with all areas where we miss the mark. And when a person chooses to be prejudiced and or biased towards someone because of the color of their skin, that's sin. That all comes from the Adamic fallen nature. And I believe that that sin can also send a person to hell. And it's one that the church should talk more about. But we don't need woke terms like critical race theory to help us deal with racism. We need the gospel. We need to go back to loving our neighbors as ourselves. I believe that the gospel is the quintessential framework for social justice. But we don't need this worldly kind of justice because man at the end of the day is going to do what's in his best interest. But it's when you do it God's way that man reduces himself and he sees things clearly through the lenses of the scripture. And what is the difference? Uh, why would critical race theory be a sin? Um, uh, and racism, and of course, racism is a sin. How 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 do you differentiate them? What's the difference between just general racism and the th- the theory that we're talking about today? Well, through critical race theory, whites are demonized for their whiteness. Okay, and critical race theorists say that, you know, whites suffer from white guilt as a result of the past. And I don't have any white friends who suffer from white guilt. If you were to tell me today, Gary, that you suffer from white guilt, this would be the end of the podcast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and, and I say that rather a matter of fact, because if you suffer from white guilt, then that means that I should suffer from black shame because God made me black. Hmm. There's nothing shameful about the color of my skin. Amen. And there's nothing for you to feel guilty about since God made you white. When I look at you, I don't see a white supremacist. I don't see someone who's a part of the KKK. 
I don't see a person who hung blacks and uh, disenfranchised us and kept us from uh, being able to eat at the same countertops as whites. I don't see you that way. But today, critical race theory seeks to push reverse racism. We're now trying to do to whites what was once done to blacks. Now, what took place through slavery and through Jim Crow laws, that was evil. It was demonic for a people group to think that they were better than blacks simply because of the color of their skin. That was asinine. It was corrupt. But America has matured. America is imperfect, but America has grown. And many of the injustices that we used to see in the 60s, we don't see today. And critical race theory seeks to get vengeance. But the Bible tells us that vengeance is mine, say of the Lord, I will repay, you know. And I see in scripture where we're taught to overcome evil with good and not to be overcome with evil. But critical race theory seeks to paint all whites with a broad brush, regardless of the ones who say that they're not racist or they're not a white supremacist or I love all people. And this is why the notion of being colorblind, you know, which is a theory that came out from um, words that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. shared. He said that we should be judged by the content of our character and not by the color of our skin. And many people from there said that we should have a colorblind society. And I understand the tenets of being colorblind. I understand the ideology of it. However, we're not colorblind. I can see clearly. I have four eyes today, right? <laughs> two <laughs> from the doctor and two that God gave me, and they work sometimes. <laughs> but these eyes can see that you are a white man. I'm not colorblind. You're not colorblind. As you look through the screen and look through the lens, you see that I'm black. Instead of being colorblind, we should be color affirming. I should be able to look at you, see your color and not have a bias or a prejudice at all because of your skin tone. We're growing as a nation when we do that. And I think that we need to transition from the thought process of being colorblind towards being color affirming. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I haven't heard it quite put that way, but uh, the idea to celebrate the, the, the giftedness that God has put in each other and also the, the skin color and uh, part of the world you're from, you know, celebrating somebody's, you know, there there are, you know, when I go to Ukraine, they're almost all white people there, but they're different kind of white people, you know, and, it's, and I affirm that culture as well as the color of their skin too. There's, there's cultural things, there's male and female, you know, we, I can obviously see, that you know somebody somebody's you know in most cases you can obviously see somebody's a woman or a man and you can celebrate that God created us male and female so I I love what you're saying when you when you um, you know most most of my friends who are uh, you know people of color they they'll they'll be able to tell me at least one maybe two three stories of maybe not systematic racism like CRT purports but but some form of racism happening in their life. Um, does that is that different than systematic racism when a policeman pulls you over, you know, and, and gives you a more of a hard time because you're black uh, than it is, um, you know, d does that have anything to do with CRT at all or no? Well, I think CRT, it's similar to rat poisoning. Wow. 
Rat poisoning is 99% good, but it's 1% poison. Yeah. But it's the 1% that will kill you dead. Wow. There, there, there is some truth to critical race theory, but it's fruit from a poisonous tree. Good point. Critical race theory stems from critical theory, which came from the Frankfurt School of Germany, which was steeped in Marxism. It came from Karl Marx. And we know that during that time frame, any viewpoint or thought process that came from Germany, you, you might want to be <laughs> yeah. uh, alarmed and aware of it because ger- those kind of thought processes led individuals to murder people because they were Jews. Yeah. Right. right. Um, critical theory, I view as a canopy or an umbrella that houses all manner of woke, woke terms like hegemonic power and intersectionality and watch this gender theory and queer theory. Isn't it amazing that the same people who support critical race theory support queer theory mm-hmm. and gender theory and destroying the patriarchy. Yeah. All of these woke terms came from critical theory, Marxism. And today they've crept their way into uh, our nomenclature, they, they've crept their, crept their way into the public school system and even into the church. And so there are some parts of critical uh, race theory that seeks to uh, point out areas of uh, past injustices and or systemic racism that has taken place in this country that was well documented. But here's the problem with those who support CRT. They don't see the critical uh, race theory and or systemic racism in abortion. Hmm. Because from the inception of the abortion industry and that movement, there was a desire to exterminate the black population through Margaret Sanger. Mm-hmm. And so they pick and choose, they cherry pick. And yes, there were times where things were skewed in the favor of whites. But we've moved and grown past a lot of injustices in this country. You see, my thought process is to move forward. But critical race theory seeks to take us back. Back, It It seeks to take us back to an era where there was more emphasis on color than the content of one's character. And I recognize that as a black man in America that represents only 5% of this overall population, my focus needs to be to move forward for the for for the hope and the betterment of my community. There are people who gain politically through keeping blacks marginalized through the thought process of telling us that we are victims. See, the victim the victimhood mentality comes from critical race theory. Because it seeks to say that the reason why you're not able to live on the right side of town or you're the reason why uh, poverty is persistent in the black community is solely because of someone else. Not what an individual has done with their time, talent and treasure, but the onus needs to be placed at the feet of the white man with the blue eyes and the blonde hair. I don't go along with that. I don't believe that. My mother took care of four children making no more than $28,000 a year. But she was a woman of great pride 
in the good way, you know, in yeah. the good sense of having right. pride, right? Yep. She had honor and you know, she had integrity, but she was filled with this notion that she did not want her children to be on welfare. And so we had to be on welfare for a short period of time, but she removed us off of welfare because she didn't want us going to a separate line than everyone else. Yeah. Because she wanted us to know that when we went to school, we weren't different. We were who God made us to be and that we were blessed also. So she took on another job to make sure that her children didn't have to end up in the, um, the free and reduced lunch side of the cafeteria. And she did this making no more than $28,000 a year. Wow. When she moved us from Elizabeth City, North Carolina to Raleigh, North Carolina, we lived in a shelter for nearly a year. And while we were living in the shelter, she cleaned toilets at North Carolina State University. Let me show you the humor and the, and, and the power of God. Uh, fast forward about 18 years from that time frame. Uh, her youngest child, who you're looking at and talking to today, graduated from the same university. <laughs> that she served as a janitor at wow, that's while beautiful. we were living in a shelter. And also this, uh, we live in a country where you can grow up dirt poor and live in a shelter, but then move on to have your book on a shelf in Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. You see, there are, there, there is a plethora of opportunities in this nation that we call America. Yes, there was a time frame where blacks were disenfranchised. Yes, we were robbed of certain inalienable rights, but we're not there today. You know, we had the first black president in America, which I was glad to finally see uh, the first black president. You look at the rest of them, they're all white and we, we have a chance to support a black president. But for me, it's values over color. When I look at the ideologies of the first black president and what happened to the black community and what happened to the sanctity of, of marriage and how Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry received uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to further their cause and to kill black babies. Yes, I clapped. You know, I'm proud to see a black face in the Oval Office. Right. But what about the values? What about the outcomes? What about the virtues of that individual? I think sometimes we move away from truth and from having a biblical worldview, and we're more beholden to exterior things. And I think this is where many of us fall into a deep ditch. The uh, liberal movement seeks to destroy the black community. And that's clear. They've done, they've done it for a long time. We've been marginalized for a long time. You know, we even had a president who recently came out and said, you know, um, if you're confused on who you're going to support politically, then you're not black. Yeah. We even had our, the color of our skin questioned because we chose not to support a, 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 a certain political party. Why is it? that black Christian conservatives like myself have to be demonized just because I want to support something like school choice. Mm -hmm. Why is it that I have to be demonized because I support ending abortion and overturning Roe versus Wade? 
Why do I have to be demonized? Because unlike the Black Lives Matters movement, I believe in the nuclear family. I believe in a father and a mother coming together. According to Genesis 5 and 2, God made us male and female. You know, today they're trying to create all kinds of genders. There are about 72 different pronouns. But God was right. He was true when he made us male and female. Why do I have to be demonized? Because I want to support that. Mm. And I think it's time. It's high time for us to become awakened. Not woke, but awaken, <laughs> awaken. awaken to the truth. The hour is far spent and the God. day is at hand. And, amen. And That's we good. need, we need prophetic voices. You're right. We need pastors to do their job. We need fathers and mothers to do their job. We need men and women to stand in the gap. But I'm concerned about all communities, white, Hispanic, Pacific Islander, Asian, others. But I'm also concerned about the black community because I see the big lie that's being pushed upon us. You know, Psalm 12 and 7 talks about the uh, God protecting the oppressed and keeping them, keeping us from a lying generation. Today, our generation is lying to us. And how are they lying? They're lying about race. They are lying about gender. And they're lying about abortion. I recently witnessed, as well as others who may watch this, Stacey Abrams tell a big lie about the heartbeat of a child. She said that at six weeks, that doctors are using a manufactured heartbeat. And that at six weeks, a baby's heart doesn't beat. Well, you know, I guess she maybe flunked biology, <laughs> but simple science. And it's been well um, documented with with much factual evidence that as early as 22 days, the heart of a baby beats. Whether humans can hear it, that heart is still beating. And a baby's heart beats nearly 54 million times from conception to birth. But if we would just leave that baby alone and allow the wonderful miracle that God has wrought through childbearing in the womb of a woman, if we would just leave it alone, we will see that even when man can't detect a heartbeat, something is going on. You know, you have people in this country who even code, they die on the, on, on the table in the hospital just because a person codes that, that does that mean that they are lifeless? They're dead. We've seen people code and they've been revived. Right. And so Stacey Abrams told a big lie to America, but in particular towards black America to convince us that the sonogram or the, the ultrasound is wrong. It's incorrect. And they're trying to take away our rights right. by telling us that we should allow a baby to live. I'm not duped. I'm not perplexed. I <laughs> see the big lie. And the Bible tells us that there should go forth a lying spirit, even in the mouth of preachers. Mm -hmm. There will be a lying spirit. Raphael Warnock, a man 
who pastored the same church that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. pastored. He right. came out and said that he was a pro-choice pastor. I'm like, wait, a pro-choice pastor? Well, how do you get that from Genesis to Revelations? Yeah, you know, Exodus 20 and 13 tells us, thou shalt not murder. Then when you go to Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19, you see seven things that God hates. One of those things is the shedding of innocent blood. We even see where God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. Where? Even from the womb. You see, life is a concept in God's mind before it's even created in the womb of a woman. And today we are strategically erasing the image of God, the Imago Dei. We are removing the image of God. And what we need more than ever is for strong men, courageous men to do what's necessary and be bold as well as women. But I'm, I'm as a male, I speak as a man, you know, and mm -hmm. there are some who would tell you that men being masculine is toxic, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't see masculinity as toxic. There's nothing toxic about me being a man. What's toxic is when a man is a coward. Yeah, That's, that's toxic. Right. Yeah. What's toxic is when a man is spineless. What's toxic is when a man creates children, but he fails to take care of his wow. responsibility. Yeah. What's toxic is when a man fails to be courageous and they cower back and they say, oh, I'm not going to harm anyone. I'm not going to say anything because I want to be viewed as a person who's loved. You know, at the end of the day, we must all lay down our reputation. We have to lay it down. If you are born again, if you're Christ-like, if you name the name of Christ, you can't do that while wearing your reputation as a banner. Yeah. You must lay your reputation down. And here's another thing. Don't worry about being canceled. The reality is every person who's born again and you've been baptized, you've already been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I was canceled through Calvary. Christ Amen. canceled me. He covered wow. me in his blood, wrapped me in his love, and he's coming back for his bride. I don't have to worry about my reputation. Call me a homophobe. Call me a bigot. Call me someone that's narrow-minded. I believe it's a good thing for Christians to be narrow-minded. <laughs> I believe it's a good thing for us to stick to the script. Right. Yeah, I believe it's a good thing for us to have a biblical worldview and not be ashamed of it. That's right. But today, even the church is propagating the big lie of race, gender and abortion. But I've come to say not on my watch. And this new book that is going to be released on October 4th, we stand nearly seven days away from the release of Erased, a book called Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. We're seven days away. Now, this book, I would never put it on the same plane as I would the Bible. You sure. know, if the Bible is a million feet high, then Erased is only one feet high, right? right. Uh, so I don't want to 
carry that notion. I don't want anyone to, to view me the wrong way. But through this book, Erased, many lives will be impacted and many eyes will be open. It's biblically integrated. It's factual. There are, there are numerous reference points from each chapter. And I go through this book uncovering and unpacking lies that have been told in this country. Mm-hmm. And you'll come to find out that the Bible gets it right every time. There was a man that said that the Bible is more current than tomorrow's newspaper. It's true. If we would only but read it and study it. And so I strategically fused the racism of critical race theory and the racism of the abortion industry together as a means of showing people that they are both twin evils and diabolical monsters that come from the soil of racism. Mm, man, that's, I can tell you're a preacher, man. You got some fire in your, it's uh, beautiful to hear uh, the, your, your story about your mom and your family. Um, powerful that you were able to go to that same school and graduate. Powerful that the Holy Spirit has given you a, a message that is so pertinent to the hour that we live in. Uh, I have two questions came to mind uh, and I'll ask them both and you can address them in whatever order you want. Um, the, the way ahead uh, you, you said a little bit earlier, you don't want to look back. You want to move on. Uh, I want to ask you in just a minute, what, is, what does move on mean to you, look like? Is there a strategy? Is there a focus? And then the second one <clears throat> would be, uh, you also commented on about certain pastors, um, some you know, <clears throat> guys like you know, John MacArthur and Vir- Virgil Walker, I think is his name. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Vody Bauckham, <clears throat> these are guys that are in yourself. Are, are really fighting for the truth. And then there's some that I get a little confused with um, because I, I listen to what they say. And it, to me, it sounds like they're just talking about racism to their church, uh, but all of a sudden they're getting accused of following CTR. Does that make sense to you? Like yeah. like David Platt or uh, Matt Chandler, uh, you know, they, they, they had a sermons. Uh, and so the first thing I heard about their sermons was, oh, these guys are following, you know, wokeism. And I listened to that message and I'm going like, I didn't really hear a whole lot about CTR. I heard more about, hey, we need to understand we're in a culture that's dealing with racism. I'm not sure what your take is on that one. Can you address the one about the church first? Uh, uh, you know, what I'm, Do you know what I'm asking? The, is, there's pastors that are standing strong against this, as they should. There are pastors who are, who've gone woke and they need to be dismissed from the pulpit. And then there's this kind of middle ground where maybe a white pastor is trying to speak to this issue. And maybe they're not doing it right or something. Can you help us with that yes. a bit? Well, yeah, there's so many ways that I could unpack that. Um, you know, we could talk about Ezekiel and the role that he had as a watchman, right? The role of the watchman was to not only watch, but warn. Mm-hmm. And today there, there are a lot of people watching, but few want to warn. That's powerful. Right? <laughs> that clears it up right there. <laughs> yeah. If if you're it, in your pulpit, are you warning against the the, yes. the the dilemma of our hour or are, are you just sort of, if you're confused yourself, it's going to come across in your message, isn't it? You're going to be hemming yes. and hawing and tiptoeing around issues and stuff rather than just calling it what it is. So, man, that, yes. that's, that's spot on. Yes. And that's, that's where we are. And there was a, a strong, um, command that God gave to the watchman. And there was a strong consequence 
Okay. The role of the mm-hmm. watchman was to say what God told them to say and to make clear what God had made clear to the watchman, to the people. And if they did that, then the blood would not be on the hands of the watchman, but it would be on the hands of the people. But if the watchman failed to repeat and or say what God has said, then blood would be on the hands of the watchman. And today there's a lot of blood on the hands of our watchmen. You can point towards cowardice. You can point towards preachers being spineless. You can point towards preachers wanting to just love. You know, God is love and love is God. Yeah, that's true. God is love, but love is not not God God because all love is not godly. Yeah. You have some preachers who are more concerned with the bottom line. These are preachers who treat the ministry and the kingdom like a franchise multi-level marketing system. Mm -hmm. They're more concerned about the next church plant (laughs) and extending the borders of their empire. They're more concerned about their multi-level marketing system than they are the truth of God's word. The Old Testament talks about uh, dumb dogs who were blind, who also wouldn't bark, right? <laughs> wow. And he talks about how these 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 preachers were, were blind, dumb, and they wouldn't bark, and they were doing nothing but laying down, okay? Let me give you this imagery here, just in case uh, your viewers may not catch it initially. Consider this, uh, an intruder comes to your back door, and in the back and in the, in the backyard, there are three uh, mature German shepherds. The intruder walks to the back door, picks the lock, and the German shepherds just sit there. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> lay, 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 laying down, just, you know, yeah. and they just wag their tail as the intruder is breaking into the home. So the intruder goes in and says, you know what? Since the dogs aren't barking, I might take more than what I bargained for. Maybe I'll go in and not only get the jewelry, you know, something quick. I'll try to get the flat screen television. I'll get the sofa. (laughs) I'll get the lazy boy. I may even try to get a dolly from the attic or from the garage and try to get the refrigerator as well. Why? Because the intruder knows that he is not going to be fault. Mm. He's not going to be resisted. So therefore, the enemy will do all kind of danger because he's not being withstood. In Revelations, it talks about how Michael and the angels fought against the dragon. The dragon, who's that? Satan, the serpent. In Genesis chapter three, he's a serpent. But by the time we get to Revelations, he's a dragon. Michael and the angels fought against the dragon. And watch this. The dragon fought back. But the Bible says, but he was not strong enough. We must fight the enemy back. We must occupy until Christ comes. We must warn and not simply watch. But today the enemy can come in 
and push wholesale Marxism and communism down our throat. Preachers today are more beholden to the planks in the Democratic Party platform than they are the cross beams of Calvary. Wow. They hold to the planks from the donkey Mm. more than they hold to the cross beams of Golgotha. And this is the issue. And so we have a generation who's being lied to. You know, I just left Vermont. I had to go up there and preach for a brother who's, I mean, he's duking it out. Mm. Ver- Vermont represents uh, the same sex capital of uh, America. You know, it's mm. a, it's a dark, it's a dark place. Yeah. Um, but nearly 25% of their young adults, ages 18 to 24, identify as LGBTQ. What was the percentage? Say that again. 25%. Wow. 25% of their young adults, ages 18 to 25, identify as LGBTQ. And the answer is simple. Pastors aren't preaching and the schools are grooming. Mm-hmm. Our children are being groomed. You know, from the beginning of time, the enemy has sought to destroy our children. Have, yeah. It tried to kill um, Moses through trying to kill the, all of the Hebrews through a decree that Pharaoh sent out. Uh, Jesus was almost killed through Herod. We see in the Old Testament also that uh, parents sacrificed their children to a false god by the name of Molech. They fashioned a statue with their hands and then sacrificed their offspring to gain favor from a statue Mm. that they made. Yeah. And today the enemy has destroyed nearly 64 million babies in the womb through abortion. And if Satan can't kill our children in the, the womb of a mother, He'll seek to kill them mentally in the public school system. The reason why Vermont has those statistics the way that they do as it relates to the LGBTQ movement and 25% of the young adults ages 18 to 24 are going that way is because they are being indoctrinated in school. Pornographic material is in our libraries in the public school system. Drag queens are dancing and parading in front of our children. Even at a football game in Vermont, drag queens are allowed to dance on the field. Mm. You have men dressed up as women masquerading in front of our children, sexualizing them at a young age. These things are corrupt. They shouldn't take place. But what does the local pastor has to say about it? You know what they have to say, uh, Pastor Gary? They have to say this. Don't judge. Mm. And whatever a person does in their bedroom is, you know, up to them. It's not up to me. Well, it used to be that way. You know, before uh, President Barack Obama overturned the sanctity of marriage and created same-sex marriage, um, you know, the, the notion was what a person does in their bedroom is up to them. Well, that didn't work because over time, those same individuals wanted to commandeer bathrooms. 
Mm-hmm. And now we see bathroom laws all across this country changing where a person can wake up in the morning and they know that they're, they are a man, but they say that they self-identify as a woman and they can go into a restroom beside your wife, my wife and our children, maybe our daughters. That's evil. And what does the church have to say about it? Don't judge or mm-hmm. practice tolerance. Tolerance has never been the method of the church, even through church history. The answer was never tolerance. We see the early church asking God for more boldness (laughs) that we might speak your truth. And, you know, we don't need tolerance. We just need more boldness. You know, we we need we need a revival of boldness to the point where we are not afraid even for our own lives. We will speak the truth. So, yeah, for these pastors, I probably went the long way around there. That's right. For these pastors, for these pastors who are failing to do their job, they are double agents. Mm -hmm. They're working supposedly for the kingdom, but their own Satan's payroll. And, you know, when you follow the payroll, you find out who's in control. Mm -hmm. These pastors need to get Mm -hmm. back to doing their job. And that's using the word of God as a two edged sword. Praise God. Wow, that's powerful. The, uh, you know, you're talking about the battle we're in. We need to stand up and fight. You know, I always go to Revelation 12 there where, you know, uh, this cosmic battle between the dragon you're talking about and, yes. and then then he's thrown down because Christ yes. has authority. And then, you know, he's given us that authority as well. And 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 then he lists three things there I think are really important for us. Uh, you know, they overcame them. There's some yes. really important things, how they overcame them. I, I want to go to the one I think is most important last, but you mentioned one, laying down your life, not, not loving your life even to death, like like the causes that we're living in today, you know, we have to be willing to give our life for. It can't be it can't be just a good sermon that we want to preach. Even if we get the boldness to say, okay, I'm going to preach against these particular cultural sins that, that the sins of our of our generation but i'm uh, i'm willing to go a step further which you are i see this in your life and ministry uh, so so the, our, the word of our testimony the other is by 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 the, the by the word of our testimony yes uh, so we're speaking the truth we're, we're we're not afraid to speak out you know eli didn't he was afraid to speak out against his own sons yes uh, and when you look at that he thought that the ark of god being brought into the battle was going to win. So, and for me, where, where I get out of that is what he was thinking was, oh, we need the presence of God and we'll win the battle. But without obedience, see, see he didn't step up and call his sons to yes. repentance. Without the obedience, then even the presence of God having a great worship service or preaching a, a moving sermon you know, yes. you can feel the presence of God, but if you're not obedient to the things that God's telling you to be, and your word your testimony has to be, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak what he tells me to speak. Yes, he did yes. that with if you remember Isaiah, that I've often wondered how Isaiah felt when, you know, in Isaiah five he's been preaching the woes. I think there's seven woes he preaches against Israel, and man, fiery sermons. But then he sees the presence of the Lord in his own life, and now all of a sudden it turns around. He goes, "Woe is me! I'm unclean. My my lips are unclean." And then said, the Holy Spirit says, "Who's going to go for me?" And he says, "I'll go." Yes. But then what's he going to go to? He's thinking. Man, this presence I just got, the glory of God that filled the temple, I'm, I'm going to go out and spread that across the nation. God says, no, you're going to go, and the people aren't going to hear you. 
Uh, you're going to have to be faithful, even though you're going to be rejected. Only a, only a tithe will come out, a, a, a little branch out of the, the, the tree will, will come up from the fruit of your ministry. But you got to be faithful. you got to preach it. And then the last one in that in that Revelation 12 is 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 the blood of the Lamb, you know. Which I I I'm old school man. I, I, when I, when I the church I grew up in, we used to talk about the blood of the Lamb all the time, man. It's Come like, on, my my kids are going to be protected by the blood of the Lamb. My marriage yes, is going to be yeah. saved by the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to be saved, sanctified with the Holy Spirit by the blood of the Lamb. We've kind of forgotten that language. We, we've we've almost taken the. The, the the crucifixion the blood of Jesus the cleansing power the redeeming power yes. for for me for my family for my church for my city for my nation uh, I think I think there's still some some power in the blood of mm-hmm. the Lamb there's 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 power in the gospel and and I truly do believe that we you know you were talking about the donkey uh, you know and as as in difference to the to the to the elephant you know and and I'm with you on that I understand that but I believe. It's it's dangerous just to trust in the elephant as well, you know what True. I mean? It's, it, we we have to be True. careful. It's not just let's let's just switch from the Democrats to the Republicans because the Republicans can betray us. I, I remember a president when I was younger had a platform that was powerful, but he didn't do any of the stuff that he said he was going to do, and we Correct. were just just as steeped in abortion and just as steeped in gay marriage <clears throat> as 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 we were before he took office. And so, you know, my trust is in the Lord. It doesn't mean that I don't have. Uh, 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 you know, strong leanings or a, a platform that agrees with the scripture, but at the same time, I believe. So, I just uh, give me a little bit of your take on, because I, you, I mean, you preach it strong and you're preaching it true. What's the? <clears throat> where do you bring in politics, and where do you bring in the gospel? Like, do you lean more on like I'm? I'm really a, a political guy, and I'm trusting in. In, in in the political transformation, or am I more of a gospel guy, or am I kind of do I blend the two together? Where, where do you stand on that? Right, great question. You know, I, I did reference the, the donkey, um, and I do that did that for many reasons. I'll yeah, say that's uh, good. this one. Um, the reality the reality is ninety one percent of people from my community vote one way. Wow. And what has been the impact of the donkey for blacks? <laughs> Not good. Right? While yeah. we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in this nation, and we're creating offices for this in the public school system, how have blacks benefited? Where are we economically? Right? And when you consider those things, you know, you have to shed light on the policies of a, of a said party. Yeah. There's only one particular party that has in its platform a full-throated support for abortion mm-hmm. you know yeah. and uh, you, you you're That's right good. i've seen some things i've seen some things on the right as well that i have a disdain for i'll tell you about one now i'm balanced <laughs> uh when it comes to bruce jenner oftentimes fox news finds a way to put bruce jenner on live television sharing his story Right. right. But I believe there's no such thing as Caitlyn. Mm. Caitlyn is a Halloween costume. Wow. It's not real. It's not true. And the only way for us to stop grooming is that we have to get rid of our pet trannies. Ooh. And one of the things that we see on the right is that, you know, we've even brought in the log cabin Republicans, even though we're not seeking to push policies in that manner. Well, we brought in the law cabin Republicans. I went to an event not too long ago 
and I preached the message that my sermon for transgenders is that they will be born again. They will come out from iniquity and come out from sin. You know, that individual who's in um, transgenderism, they represent the two spirit community. They are contending with the dominant spirit, i.e. the spirit that God gave them. Then they're also contending with the counterfeit spirit. Mm -hmm. That's the spirit that Satan gave them. And there's a war. There's a back and forth wrestling match until the counterfeit spirit convinces them to mutilate themselves. And to uh, remove their breast mm. and their physical anatomy. And, it, and it's at that point that the counterfeit spirit leaves. And they're left with a shell of themselves. They, they've now mutilated themselves and they're left with the decisions and the actions of their way. Mm. I brought that up at a service not too long ago in California. And I told them also that uh, those who are on the right, and this was a heavily... Uh, engaged, conservative-leaning <laughs> uh, event. And I said that my message to the log cabin Republicans is to get born again. And Amen. if not, God's going to set the log cabin on fire. Wow. And so I, I, I think it's clear <laughs> that we have to have a balanced biblical message. But as a black father, as a black man in this society, I, I see closely and clearly what the donkey or what the left has done to the black community. I'm more beholden to the scriptures than anything. That's why I have a biblical worldview. Yeah. You know, that's why I believe that you can't vote one way and pray another. Yeah. There is both velvet and steel that's, that's needed. Right. We do need to, preach the truth, but also love people to repentance. Yeah. You know, the Bible speaks about working out our soul salvation with fear and trembling. Um, and I think that is done through the truth being readily available. But here's the thing. How can a person know what's right? How can a person know what's mm -hmm. true and what's just unless the truth is offered? And today we see more lies being told than we do the truth being preached. And the preachers who preach the truth and they stick to it and they hold to it void of party platforms, they're labeled as hate mongers. Mm -hmm. They're labeled as people who don't love. But the loving thing, the most loving thing that I can do is to tell a young man in Vermont that if you continue walking in a gay lifestyle, then you will more than likely remove nearly 20 to 25 years from your life. Mm. This is well documented. Yeah. That, that I don't know how much more I can love a man than to tell him that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes, so I true. can bring him to my house. We, house. we can serve him dinner. We can do kumbaya. We can do all of that stuff. But unless I tell him the truth that, man, I love you enough to tell you that this lifestyle of same sex relationships and attraction, that's going to rob you of nearly 20 to 25 years of your existence. That's love. Yeah, that is love. Uh, you know, the the, the um, magicians, Penn and Teller, uh, I think it's the guy named Penn, um, is an atheist, an extreme liberalist. Uh, but But he said, if you believe in hell that I'm going to burn in eternity and you don't tell me and you don't warn me, 
then right. then I have no respect for you. I, I thought that yes. was a cool perspective, and I, I think that's yes. what you're saying. You're, you're saying that it's yes. like if we don't tell people truth, if we don't stand for the truth, if we don't, you know, and, and not just a general truth that you know, like you said earlier, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, but but the truth of no that that's not the plan. The way you're living is not the plan, and if you, you know, and you you can't come into you know, there's certain things you have to lay down. The the that when you come into the to, to understand who Christ is, you know, He calls for you to take up your cross and lay down your life, uh, put put things away, and and so to tell people, you know, and un- unfortunately that this compromise, as you said quite a bit earlier in our conversation, you know, it's it's seeped into the church, you know, and I yes. feel like some sometimes the church has become like the chaplain for the world's agenda just to put a stamp yes. of of a stamp of approval on it or affirmation on it you know and 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 we even preach Jesus as being one well you know he he welcomed the prostitutes and the sinners into his house well yeah it was to call them to repentance you know he called right. the religious uh, bigots into repentance but he also called you know the woman at the well in repentance you've had five husbands but but you know it was it was it was a message of repentance as well there's why bring up five husbands if if he wasn't trying to tell her it was wrong not, you can't right. live this way and so there has to be a, a call to transformation as, as as well what do you suggest we do uh, we have a lot of you know most of our audience is christians but but a lot of them are pastors as well what do you suggest we do as pastors i mean obviously i've already heard you say a lot of it get a backbone wake up uh, you know get a get awakened um, anything yeah. practical that you could suggest to us as pastors christians churches uh, to help us i don't know just just uh, you know some people are preaching that it's too late you know america's you know, it's gone to the, you know, Revelation, uh, excuse me, Romans 1, 24 yeah. said, you know, you had lust. Romans one twenty six says, now you're given over to same sex. And then Romans right. one twenty eight says, now you're in a depraved mind, which some some people are preaching that depraved mind is is like a reprobate mind. It's too late. Um, yes. I, I, I'm not sure I see it that way. I, I, I'm kind of a, when I read the gospel, I see a lot of hope. Uh, so, but anyway, what yeah. I'm asking you, so I give you time here to speak to this, is uh, do you see hope? And if so, what do we do to, to accentuate that hope as best as possible? That's good. You know, from Romans, they're referencing the reprobate mind or the, the mind has also been seared with a hot iron. Mm. Um, I've practiced ironing my clothes as a young man growing up. And sometimes I got it right. And sometimes I got it wrong. (laughs) And you know, when you're preparing for a Sunday morning service and you leave the iron on top of the black pair of slacks for too long, (laughs) you go back and take the iron off and look at the pants and the pants are now shiny, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. They're seared. And whenever a pair of slacks are seared, the the, the slacks are ruined. They're beyond repair. Mm -hmm. Okay, And there's some people who, if they're not careful, they will isolate themselves to the point where it's going to take a lot of work for them to be undone. You know, um, there there was some spirit, some demon, some miracle, some things that the disciples could do easily. They wake up in the morning and they go do it. And there were mm-hmm. some things that needed more prayer, more fasting more discernment and more time before God to get rid of. Why? Because that spirit had been there for a long time. With that in mind, yes, there is hope for this generation, but the hope must start 
with biblical authority. I don't have a a roundabout secret side door way into the kingdom for you. Right. Marvel not. You must be born again. Hmm. You know, and when you come to the cross, (laughs) you know, you come empty handed. You come with nothing, nothing, but you bring a soul that needs to be revived, a heart that needs to be delivered and set free. You know, that's how I came. You know, I can speak for myself. I had some proclivities. I had some desires, had some things that I contended with before I came to the cross. And but, you know, I I did like most people. I wanted to wait until I got it right first. Mm. You know, and the reality is I couldn't get it right. It wasn't until I submitted to the fact that I needed Jesus, that I needed him, that I needed to repent and I needed his help through the Holy Spirit to overpower my flesh and to teach me and to train me in the way of righteousness. It wasn't until that point that I was able to come into the realization that I needed a savior and that I was unclean as unclean, as Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter six. But today people are being told that they're clean when they're not. Right. You know, how can you get to hope when we haven't even got to truth? Mm. Wow. It takes truth to roll out the red carpet of hope. John the Baptist said, what did you think? Did you come out to see a reed shaking in the wind? (laughs) Some flimsy preacher? No, no, no. John the Baptist was, was tough. You know, and he said from the days of John the Baptist, even up to now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violent and the violence take it by force. The violent take it by force. And so what is it going to take? It's going to take truth that ushers in hope. And today we have it backwards. We're offering hope with no truth. No truth. Wow. That's heavy, man. I, I love that. I, I was in a, I was in a pastor's gathering, about 100 pastors in New York City. And uh, the pastor of, I don't know if you've heard of this church called Soul Saving Station of Every Nation in Harlem, uh, <laughs> powerful black pastor. I'd say probably about 90% of the pastors were white in the room. And we were all talking about unity and, we, you know, John 17, let it make us one as, we, you know, and and this pastor stood up and he goes, brothers, he goes, before you get to John 17, 21, unity, there's John 17, 17, that says, sanctify them in truth. And he said, until we have truth, we can't have unity. And man, yes. the whole the whole room just like went draw dropping truth, you know, as a truth bomb on us. And we and we knew it, you know, and and it was and it brought that unified us, you know. And so what I hear you saying is, tr- you know, that truth brings hope. Yes. I love that because I I haven't heard that before, but that, that that moves my heart to just to know that we don't have to to dismiss truth to get hope. We we don't have to dismiss conflict uh, to get to love. That that that, right. that that these things can be married together. True, and you and see, we don't need a twenty first century form of truth, Mm-mm. right? God's yeah. truth endures to all generations. Yeah, if we would but proclaim it. Yeah, man, it's hard. It's yeah. hard though, isn't it? It's hard in a, when we live in a generation where they call evil good and good evil, and yes. the truth a lie and a lie truth. You know, when yes. we get up and say, you know, here's God's word, here's the truth. You know, they, they, you know. Sadly, the question they had, like that that depraved mind thing in Romans we're talking about, almost seems to be. It's it's just hard. It's it's, it's a difficult, uh, you know, pastoring 
in this generation is harder than it was you know 20 30 years ago when i when i was getting getting my feet wet in this thing it's just you know just but you got you can't quit you got to just keep you got to keep going yeah no, you can't. Yeah. And and we're we're not called to be perfect as pastors, but we're called to be faithful. Yeah. Amen. You Amen. know, we're Let... striving towards faithfulness. Yeah. Faithfulness to what? <clears throat> to him that has called us. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. Last question I'm going to ask you. I got to let you go. I know you got other things you got to get to. I appreciate your taking your time today. This has been no, thank you. Thank this is like just flying by. I just I could I could ask you another hundred questions in the next three hours and not not get, get not not even get done with what I have in my mind. But uh, <laughs> the, the, I told you a little bit when we just before we started the podcast that I wanted to ask you this one last question. And you said maybe it's the wrong guy I'm asking, uh, but I'm going to ask you anyway because I think you are the right guy for this. Um, the, the the idea of like just old fashioned soul winning, um, you know, uh, is there is there a way to continue to preach the truth with that backbone and that fire in our soul that we're talking about? And yet, when you see somebody like I saw this video of a a kid yesterday on Instagram, and he had high heels on and a dress, and he was dancing around like just like I'm so happy now to be a woman, and I just I was kind of like disgusted by it, and I was just like angered by it, but it but it it wasn't until a little bit later I went like, man, that kid needs Jesus. You know, he needs to get saved. He needs to repent of his sins. It's it's like, you know, if, if we could convince him the truth of, you know, acting out as a woman doesn't make you a woman, he's still going to hell, you know? And right. so um, how in your ministry are you able to, and I'm not talking about the mamby-pamby kind of lukewarm, everything's love kind of gospel but but that kind of love that has the truth to it. The the, the are are you able to cont- like if you were sitting on an airplane and there was a uh, a transvestite next to you, would you want to convince them not to be a transvestite, or would you want to convince them to come to Jesus first? Yeah, I I, I tell you what, it depends. You know, there were times where Jesus used parables. Yeah, there were times where Jesus was, was rather frank and told them not to cast your. your <laughs> Your, 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 pearls. your pearls before swine. Yeah, makes you sense. Know, it, it all depends on uh, the instance and the occasion. Yeah. You know, um, the thing is, more than ever, we need to teach people the significance of not being unequally yoked. You yeah. know, the Bible speaks about not being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Uh, the Old Testament talked about the ass and the, um, the donkey and the uh, ox not plowing together. There was a reason why the Old Testament pointed to that. The donkey and the ox were used for the same purpose, plowing fields and for transportation. But when you put them together, it was a mess. The donkey was small. It ate wild plants. The ox was very large. But even the smell of the wild flowers from the breath from the donkey would cause the ox to become frail and sick and potentially die. Wow. And today, as the scripture tells us, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked, but we are becoming unequally yoked. We're trying to find a cheap way into an expensive kingdom. See, the kingdom costs, but it pays well. It costs Christ something. It costs him everything. It costs him his life. And salvation is free. But the anointing and the favor of God that comes from that anointing, that's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you losing friends. It's going to cost you losing the world's reputation. 
It's going to cost you sleep. It's going to cost you even family members. <laughs> you might be the brunt of the joke or the individual who's not invited to Thanksgiving yeah, or Christmas. You know, and if that happens, you know, you just say to yourself, well, I don't like the food anyway. I like my wife's cooking it better, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you just you just stay home. <laughs> you know, it's 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 going to cost you something, you know, um, and we have these treasures in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power would be of God and not of us. We're nothing more than clay jars. Right. Right. Yeah. And right. yes, we push people towards the kingdom, towards truth, towards God's standard, but we're all frail. Yeah. We're all but dust. And yes, my desire to win the loss sometimes can be dominated with wanting to see them saved. Sometimes it may be dominated in the moment with me wanting to remind that man that you shouldn't wear that dress because I don't want my son to see you like that. Yeah. And I love I love your truth, man. I appreciate you. Know? you. Yeah. Of thank course. you for thank you for telling it how you feel because it, it would be easy yeah. to to sure. take some backbone to, to you know, because what you're saying is, you know, the, the party line in Christian church might be, oh no, of course I want to save them first, but I I, I appreciate your, yeah. your, your saying it. You know, I, I just would, you know, leave you with this thought. Um, our ministry started, you know, my father, Dave Wilson, when, when in gang members were killing, like he started his ministry when seven gang members killed a, a polio victim in a wheelchair, just beat him to death. And everybody said, those guys should get the electric chair, put all seven of them away. What, Philosophically, he agreed with that justice they should be, but the the heart of Christ would be well before they go to electric chair. Let me see if they can come to know Jesus. And sure. I think there's and that our our ministry has held those two things in tandem the whole time. You know, uh, pre preach against drugs. Drugs kill people. You know, the the fentanyl now is just is so deadly. It's coming across the borders. So we preach against that and have fire in our bones against that. We you know I'm not afraid to. Uh, you know, the Ephesians passage to talk about the armor of God. We always talk about put on the helmet and put, take the shield, which are fighting materials. But we forget the, the most mentioned thing in, in Ephesians 6 is against. I, again. we, I, we stand against. It's the, word, the word against is mentioned six times. And so so many preachers and churches, they're not against anything anymore. So right. so we're we're against I'm not afraid. I'm against abortion. I'm I'm against homosexual marriage. I'm against transgender. And I'm against teaching these things in the school. But I'm also for Jesus saving all those people. Uh, of you know, course, it, it, yes. You know, I, I want to yes. see them. I want to see them transferred from the kingdom of darkness and all that stuff's darkness. But I right. want to bring them into the kingdom. I don't want them just to refute darkness and say, "Okay, I'm no longer dark anymore. I'm no longer going to believe in abortion. I'm no longer going to believe." Well, although I, I take that back, because because there are some things. Even if you're not a Christian, you need to believe in. You need to believe in truth. But at the same time, not end there. Like like take them into that. So I I just want to encourage you. Just you encourage me so much. Just let me allow you allow one word of encouragement. Don't lose that fervor. You're a pastor, and you're preaching the gospel. And you're preaching truth. But I want to I want to encourage you with all my heart. Don't you know? Keep keep that fire for 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 lost souls. You know these yes. these people that that you're ministering to that that you're you're yes. preaching to. Uh, you know when they when they meet Jesus, he's he's the. You even said about your own life. You didn't you didn't get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. You right. Know, and I I think Jesus can change 
hearts and change life. And I, for me, that's I think that is our only hope. I'm blessed, uh, Pastor Kerry, to have this opportunity to be able to dialogue with you today. And thank you for the questions. Thank you for the balance that you were seeking, because I know you have an audience that hears it multiple different ways. Right. And so I, I, I respect that as as well. You know, the average child spends nearly 13 to 18,000 hours uh, at school in their lifetime. And you're talking about sometimes six to eight hours a day, they're away from home. Parents get home and they barely have any time to say, hey, right? It's on to the homework, it's on to the bath, it's on to dinner, and then it's on to bed, right? The preacher has the job of fighting in a culture where people don't even want to come to church longer than 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So yep. you have to get a lot in, yeah. in a little bit of time. You know, the, the human brain, they say today that our uh, attention span um, fails in comparison to even a goldfish. <laughs> wow. You know, and, and so people aren't listening. And so what do you have to do when you preach and you get a chance? You do what the early church did. You do you do what Peter did on the day of Pentecost. Peter brought up things that people would say he probably shouldn't even have said. He started going to the fact that they crucified Jesus. Peter, why are you talking about that? Uh -huh. yeah, he brought it up because he wanted them uh -huh. to know. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and him bringing that up, I believe that was the thing that truly cut them to the heart. Yeah. And they said, uh -huh. what must we do to be uh -huh. saved? You know, the pre preaching and then evangelizing evangelizing one on one a little bit a little a little a little bit different, you know. One of the things I did, I'll tell you this quick story and then, yeah. and then we can we can get off. Uh during the time frame when I was at North Carolina State University, um, I won numerous people to Christ. I had a prayer group on Monday nights at mm -hmm. 930 p.m. or 945 p.m. at the football practice. We would go into the racquetball room wow. at NC State after practice. <laughs> We're still dirty, still sweaty. We'll get on our knees, me and 10 to 15 other football players. Wow. And then on Tuesday nights, I led a Bible study on campus. And I was able to hold prayer groups outside of the dormitories. And I found myself communicating to people one-on-one, -on -one, in particular to the homosexuals, mm. to those who found themselves in a lifestyle that they never wanted. And many of them have been uh, bred into it, i.e. a family member groomed them. Mm -hmm. Someone took advantage of them at a young age. And these people knew that the person that they could come to to find true hope, right, but also the truth, was the preacher with that funny last name <laughs> that no one could, could, they couldn't pronounce it. You know, even uh, at the church that I attend now as a youth pastor, the senior pastor is Bishop Patrick Lane, Wooden Senior. Uh, he's known as a giant in the faith. And there are numerous homosexuals who follow the ministry and listen. They say, they tell him all the time, the reason why we tune into you, even though we don't always agree, is that because we know you're going to tell us the truth. Beautiful. Man, you know, and wow. and so it's it, it, it may come yeah. across in, um, sometimes as only fire and brimstone. No. But then when you get the person that's one on one with that individual that's walking through, through them through the process, that's driving them around campus and taking them where they need to be, that's being a big brother and shepherding a person yeah. is able to see the other side of a person's um, heart. Yeah, I would say clearly that my uh, calling is more like a John the Baptist. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't That's... betrayed my name. The voice of one 
crying out in the wilderness, make mm-hmm. straight the way of the Lord. And so I, I'm I'm thankful that God has privileged me to do so and to yeah. uh, to even have a, t- a chance to share a part of my uh, ministry and what God has done through me. I'm thir- 38 years of age um, and haven't been around here as long as you. Nope. But I tell I, I, I tell you what I'm en- enjoying the opportunity to be um, a, a believer, to be a Christian in a day like today, and to speak to the millennial generation, yeah. and to give them truth and to give them hope. Yeah, I'm so glad you're doing it. You yes. you don't strike me. I don't mean to speak negative about the millennial generation, but you know you don't strike me as a normal millennial they you know i, I, I don't see, yeah yeah but but that gives you the voice you're, you're john the baptist right. was not like his generation either no, and uh no. and you're doing what you know you're doing what not only john the baptist jesus you know he said herod that fox you know he didn't he didn't mind speaking to the powers that be uh, and 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 condemning them and you know when when you talk about Democrats having a party, you know, the planks on their on their party being yeah. wicked and evil. Uh, I think Jesus would do the same thing. You know that sure. you know, the culture wants to paint Jesus in this picture of, you know, just this uh, soft and gentle, uh, you know, like a humble and meek, and you know that that humility was a very different strength than they realized that you know he he was most powerful being ever to walk on the on the earth with a you know. Elijah and John the Baptist were were really mild compared to Jesus, and you know, who talked about hell more than Jesus, you know. And so when you, when, right. you when 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 you hear me ask questions that might make you think, oh, you know, is, is Gary, uh, is he, you know, kind of tiptoeing through things, and you know, oh, no. I, I actually I actually don't use the word balance a couple of times. I, I used to use the word balance. I I, I kind of quit using it because it's, you know, balance is usually there's one point here and there's one point here, and the, you know, bring it to the scale where that where they're both, and you know, so, or or like a you know, I, I, I don't mind being imbalanced in a sense. You know right, what I mean? Right. Uh, just like right. you know, like my my scale is tipped all the way to this to this thing. You know, it's just there's there's nothing on the other side to to balance it. You know, it's just that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yours, yours is more worn out than mine, man. That's cool. I love to I see that. I tell you, you know, it was once said that it's you 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 know a person is strong in their faith if their Bible is worn out, but they're not. Right. I'll, I'll, I love that. Even even the pages that have been removed, <laughs> man. These pages still preach. <laughs> well, that looks like a first century scroll there. Man. <laughs> papyrus, uh, man. Papyrus. Papyrus. <laughs> but man, the truth that you're preaching is is so delightful, and um, and thank you for taking the time today to preach it powerfully, preach it clear, preach it with that that's heart stirring. Uh, just my heart is stirred today, and I know those who are listening to us love your book too. I can't wait till uh, this. This will probably air about the time it comes out, so it'll be available in the bookstores and um, obviously online and stuff. And we'll put some in our we call them our show notes. We'll put uh, a way for them to to get that. Uh, we're we're thrilled. I'd love to speak to you more in the future if you'd be willing to come back on or uh, come sure. come here to Colorado and preach for us, man. That would be. <laughs> I'll, I'll get in t- I'll get in touch with you after the show. We'll we'll plan some stuff together. Okay. Let's do it. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. You too. Take care. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting. World Challenge. 
transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.